Hello guys, welcome back to the uh, If I Talk podcast. I'm your host, Pa, and I'm here with my co-host, AJ. We are here to talk today about a very exciting topic titled Your Health and Your Money. And specifically from a financial independence standpoint, we'll be talking more about the health savings account. It's one of the accounts that people in the FI community do use for financial independence. But before we get into that, I will just go ahead and let my co-host come in. AJ, how's your weekend been going? My weekend is going okay. Um, it's just very low-key because it's raining in Seattle today. So um, it's, it's, it's going okay. It's just spending a lot of time with family. And, and that's really important because last time we talked uh, about people just value their relationships and it's really important to spend time, especially with your closest relationship, which is your family. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going that's what's going on this weekend since it's raining and there's not much to do outside. How about your weekend? Uh, it's been the same, just doing a lot of schoolwork and spending time with the family for the most part. But today we have a very exciting topic, as you know, talking about your health and your money, especially your retirement. I feel like today's topic, it just uh, epitomizes what you stand for. You are very specific with your health mm-hmm. and your nutrition. Mm-hmm. And me and you both are very nerdy when it comes to money. Yes. So for you to put that health part and the money part, that title just got to light you up. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what I'm thinking about. I was very like, exciting. This title just have to light power up because, yes. you know, very particular about your health and yes. also your money. Yes. Just like you said, uh, my health is something that I pay a lot of attention to and I invest in it. I mean, that's the thing. I try to invest in my health. Uh, and yeah. how do I do that? Um, exercise. If I see something that I know can help me try to stay in shape and that kind of stuff, I do not mind paying top dollar for it. And I'm very, very particular in what I put inside my body in terms of food. Um, as you know, um, we transition from just eating a regular diet to plant-based whole foods diet. Some people will call it vegan, but um, sometimes we do get out. I mean, we do have kids. So sometimes, you know, kids want to eat their kids stuff. So sometimes we do have that kind of flexibility with that. But what I put inside my body is something very, very important. And um, I'm always excited to talk about it. So that's why this, yeah. this, this topic is very, very exciting to me. Yeah, man, I'm so proud of you and your family with your nutrition but also with your uh, physical health, with your exercise, I think that I need to work on that. And a lot of people, you know, set New Year's resolution, <laughs> i.e. Yes. me, yes. and then just never follow through. But um, just hanging out with you all this time, I feel like it's getting to rub off on me. I've had a gym membership for a long time, but, you know, I just go on and off. But I need to step up my game. Besides that, before we get into the topic of your health and your money, I just wanted to share with you um, some feedback I've been getting about our podcast. Yeah, this podcast is pretty new and we have very limited listenership as of mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. But the feedback I'm getting just lights me up. For someone to call me and say, you know, I listened to episode 
number da da da. And just because of that episode, I ordered the book, uh, The Richest Man in Babylon. Nice. Or talking to my brother the other day, who, who I gifted Dave Ramsey's book, the, uh, your, uh, your Total Money Makeover, mm-hmm. about six or seven years ago. Wow. He had it, just never opened it up until he heard our episode. And he goes, well, maybe I could. And he started reading that book. He says, maybe I can t- take a look at this book. Right. And then he started reading that book. And I feel like it's all about taking actionable steps. Mm-hmm. We talked about it last time that if you have, even if you take just one item, one actionable step from every episode, it would improve your life and your money dramatically. And I just wanted to share that with you before we get started. I don't know how much feedback you're getting from, uh, from anyone, but you know, Man, that, that's pretty exciting. The, the feedback I'm getting is pretty right. exciting and I, it lights me up and keep, keeps me going. Well, one feedback that I just got yesterday, this is from uh, one of my coworkers that I referred the podcast to. So she went and listened to two, I think two or three of our episodes. And then she came back yesterday and she's like, I want to be like AJ. I want to max out all of my retirement accounts. So I'm like, okay, there you go. You know, this is like, this is what we want. So she's on the journey or on her journey to try to max out all of her retirement account. So that was a very good inspiration over there, AJ, you know, that you are giving people out there. Man, you gave, you're giving me goosebumps right now because uh, <laughs> you did not talk to me about this before, no, I did before not. we started recording. So I did not. <laughs> so yeah, this one caught me off guard, but I'm proud of her and I'm proud of everyone that's taking little actionable steps to uh, better their life and their money. And this is what we're here for. We're here to uh, cheer you up. We're here to inspire you. We might not be as entertaining as you would like, but, <laughs> probably not. but we're here. We, we would probably give you the facts and yep. share our story and hopefully at least one or two of our ideas stick and that's what we're hoping for and if we can help one person if we can help 10 people yep. uh, get better with their money and their life and it makes a dramatic dramatical dif- difference in their lifestyle i feel like this podcast is worth it definitely i guess we can get to uh, today's topic then as you know we all are striving for financial independence. We all want to talk about retirement. We all want to talk about the accounts that we have, you know, that will prepare us for retirement and all of these things. But if you don't have good health, most of these things may not come to fruition. This life, we all know that without good health, there are a lot of things that you will not be able to do. And from, from the research that is out there, the average American by the age of 55 or so is on three or four different medications. Now, what does that mean? You have some medical conditions. You know, so you go into retirement with those medical conditions, some of which will start getting worse and cost a lot of money. How are you going to pay for these things? Yeah, I like where you're starting because if you look at it, we are in the personal finance and, person, uh, and financial independence community. We always talk about money, but we also know that it's not... It's not all about money. Mm-hmm. It's about relationships. It's about yes. your health. Yes. If you have all the money in the world and you don't have a good health, it's basically worthless. You true. know, you want you want to accumulate as much wealth as you can by the time you retire, so that you can 
optimize your time so that mm-hmm. you can spend your time doing the stuff that you love. That is true. But imagine you get there and you don't have good health. Hmm. What is that money worth to you? So I think that I like where, you, where you're starting with this episode. The reason why I said that and the reason why I initially said also that uh, we change our diet, I can be on the diet by myself. That's okay. But what if my spouse and my kids are out there just eating whatever they want and time comes, they have some kind of disease that is related to the kind of diet that they were eating, even though I'm healthy, but my spouse is not healthy. That is equally the same as me not being healthy because most of the, most of the money that we save will be going towards my spouse's medical treatment or my kids, you know, medical treatment and that kind of stuff. So that was one of the reasons why we sat down and discussed about trying to get to a much better diet plan that will kind of help us in the long run. For right now, I mean, most of these things will not show, but the older you get and the more you consume, you know, most of these things, that's when, I mean, these things start building up. You have these things, you know, that they call the uh, metabolic syndrome. These are like a bunch of diseases like diabetes, high cholesterol, obesity, and all of these things. And these are things that are very, very common. And most of the diseases now are usually are associated with those kind of things. Most people have diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and all of these things. And these are things that you can avoid based on your diet, based on the lifestyle that you want to live, because most of these are just lifestyle diseases. That's just what they are. So just trying to make some kind of adjustments on your lifestyle and your health, it goes a long way. It really does. Yeah, I, I feel like you just nailed it. For you, was there a particular event or a particular time that just prompted you to totally uh, look at your health and your nutrition differently? Or was this something that you've been working on for a while and just pulled the plug at some point? Well, I've always been very, very conscious about my health. Um, Even though I wasn't taking any action or anything like that, but I've always had it at the back of my mind that most diseases are caused by the food that we consume. I will go as far as saying that between 60 to 70% of illnesses nowadays are caused by what we put inside our bodies. Some parts of it have to do with the environment where we stay and Mm -hmm. some parts of it we are born with. That you cannot help. But these other two, which is the environment where you stay and the food that you put inside your body and you know the, the uh, lifestyle that you choose to live, these are all things that you can control. So what I did was we have these yearly physicals you know, that we all do. So the past couple of years, I've, I, I started seeing a decline you know, in, in my health. Cholesterol was kind of creeping up a little bit. My blood sugar was starting to go up you know, from year to year, you know, even though it wasn't at a point where I would be considered diabetic or anything like that. But the trend that I was seeing, I just didn't like it. And the same with my wife. I had one of my kids, you know, he like kind of started gaining weight a little bit. And I, that just didn't sit well with me. So I was just like, okay, what is it that we can do? I sat with my wife, had some kind of discussion about this. And then we started searching online. And then um, saw a video on Netflix called Game Changers. We saw that video, we looked at it, and it was talking about pretty much everything that we were discussing. And it gave us some good examples of if you are on this diet, compared to this diet, this is how 
your blood samples look like and so many other things. So we were like, you know what? This makes sense. Why don't we just go ahead and give it a shot and see how it is? And the thing that we realized was most of the things that we were thinking that we cannot live without, like the meat, I mean, the chicken, the beef, you know, I mean, the eggs, the milk, there are substitutes out there. I mean, in, oh, wow. in, instead of buying the cow milk, now all we consume is the oat milk or the almond milk. Oh, wow. You know? And it is out there. And the eggs also, there's this thing called the just eggs. And wow. it, tastes, it tastes just like eggs, but it is plant-based. And obviously now you have, you know, all of these meat substitutes, you know. So any store that you go now, you have these plant-based meats. So we don't really miss the animal products that much, you know. But when we go out sometimes, you know, every now and then, if we want to try it, then, you know, we will just have a little bit of taste but mostly seafoods. But I mean, there are a lot of substitutes out there. Yeah, man. I am so proud of you, man, and everything that you're doing. I, I'm hoping that this will wrap up on me at some point, you know. I um, hope so, you know, definitely. because I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to hanging get you out, on board. <laughs> hanging out with you is going gonna, is gonna, is gonna, to definitely, um, I'm very conscious about my health too. And uh, I've been, I've been a gym rat for a while. And uh, recently I've been, you know, too busy to uh, go to the gym every, yeah. as much as I would like, you know, <laughs> I remember my wife last year, my doctor told me to, uh, to go to the gym. So I went from my doctor, came home and I told my wife, my doctor said, I need to go to the gym. So I went to the gym, came back home. Okay. After a couple of days, I did not go again. And she goes, well, I thought your doctor said, go to the gym. I said, yeah. He said, go to the gym, but he didn't tell me how many times I need to go. <laughs> well, all jokes aside, Paul, let's get, to, let's right. get into the topic of a, a health savings account. Um, all right, cool, cool, cool. You know, so it's like I was saying in the beginning, retirement and financial independence. Uh, if you are on that path, there are a lot of accounts that you need to have. And some of, some of them we have discussed in our previous episodes, like the 401ks. Uh, the 403Bs, the Roth IRAs, the traditional IRAs, you know, and all of these things that you need for retirement. But one thing that we did not talk about was the health savings account. What is a health savings account? Most people may have heard about it, but they don't really know what is a health savings account. I mean, a health savings account is just like it sounds like. It's, a health, it's, it's like a savings account where you will be putting pre-tax money into that account for health reasons. You can only use it for qualified health expenses, for medical, dental, vision, and that kind of stuff. And it is kind of expanded a lot that you can use it for so many other things. So like even if you go to Amazon and try to look for uh, something that is health related, if you pay attention, they will tell you that it is HSA eligible. So these are things that you can use it for. So the health savings account, I personally do not call it a health savings account. I call it a health investment account because that's how I use it because of my mentality of early retirement, you know, and financial independence. So, but we will get into that, but I will just uh, go ahead and give AJ a chance to um, kind of chime in on that a little bit. This is an interesting account. 
uh, it's a health savings account. So what that is, is a tax advantage account that the government lets you uh, put in money and you, on, you can only put in money if you are in a high deductible health plan. So the high deductible health plan, uh, you have to sign up for a health plan that's high deductible, which is con what, what's con considered high deductible to qualify is the deductible has to be a minimum of $1,400 for an individual or $2,800 for a family. So once you have, once you are in a high deductible health plan, then you are qualified to have an HSA. An HSA is a health savings account that you put in money pre-tax. And if you use it the way to optimize and maximize the benefit of the health savings account, you can invest it and it would also grow tax-free. And to even optimize another benefit, if you use the health savings account as, uh, if you withdraw from it for qualified medical expenses, that would come out of your health savings account tax-free. Wow. Pa, that, mm -hmm. This is the triple tax advantage. Yes. You know, pre-tax contribution, it grows tax-free, and qualified withdrawals are tax-free. Man, the IRS doesn't let you do a lot. Uh, doesn't let you let you do that a lot. Yes, and that is that is that is what is special about the health savings account. As you know, I mean, this is the only account that I fully fund right now. I plan on fully funding um, most of, uh, at least all of my retirement accounts. But this one, to me, is the most important of all of my retirement accounts, and that is because of what you just mentioned this triple tax advantage that it has. And what does that mean? It's, it means that the money that you're going to be contributing to it, it's tax-free. That's money that they will take out before you pay taxes on it. And then it grows inside that account tax-free. And then when you have to take it out, withdrawal, you withdraw it tax-free as long as you are using it for uh, qualified medical expenses. So, that is the benefit of the um, uh, the health savings account. But for us, in the fire movement, we kind of look at it a little differently, okay? Because what me and AJ will do is that if we if we have any kind of medical emergency or medical expenses, let's say just medical expenses that you have planned for, okay? Let's say um, I'm getting ready to get my kids some braces. This is something that we've planned for. So it's not an emergency. So we save for it. Even though we have the money in the health savings account, but we decide to save for it, pay it out of pocket, and keep that receipt. Okay? If time comes that we want to claim that $3,000, $4,000 that we paid, and trust me, man, braces are not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Braces are very, very expensive, you know, <laughs> so know. you've been through it. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> like if we decide that we want to uh, recover that, that, that money that we spent, we can go back to our health savings account, produce that receipt, and we can get that money back. But me and AJ do not do that because what that does is that kind of robs us off of the growth that the uh, money will be growing. And for the HSA, 
One thing that people do not understand, and I've talked to some of my friends about this, it's not just like a regular savings account where you just put money. No, you can invest that money. And I will let AJ get into that a little bit more. When I think about the HSA, I feel like you can do one of three things with the money that's in your HSA. Once you qualify, once you are in a qualified health, high deductible health plan, and you are qualified to have an HSA account. Why don't we um, explain the, 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 the word high deductible? Because that was one thing that I did not understand. And it took me a while for me to understand this whole deductible thing. You know, why don't you just give them a little bit, you know, of a description of what a high deductible is? So every qualified high deductible health plan have to have at least a minimum of $1,400 deductible. This for, for, for an individual or $2,800 for, for a family. Mm -hmm. So that, that means that before your insurance money kicks, before your insurance kick in to start paying for your health um, uh, expenses, mm -hmm. you have to meet that deduction out of pocket or you have to meet it with your HSA. So mm -hmm. that's what it means. So if I'm, if I'm, I'm from a family and I need to have $2,800 of medical expenses and then my insurance would start to kick in and start paying for my um my health expenses so that's what it means by high deductible health plan so once you qualify and you have the hsa and you have and you're contributing to it there are limits to how mm -hmm. much you can contribute to it let's talk about those limits first part as of 2021 an individual can contribute thirty six hundred dollars a year. That's the maximum allowable limit by the IRS. Or a family can contribute up to $7,200 a year. And that's the maximum allowable by the IRS. Mm -hmm. And if you're over 55, you can do what's called the catch-up contribution, which is an extra $1,000 a year. So I'm not sure if you want to add anything to the contribution before I uh, we dive deep into what you can do with this plan, with this uh, account. No, we're good. So when I look at it, you're contributing to the maximum of uh, the, um, the, the, the limits here. Mm -hmm. You can do one of three things with the money in your health savings account. Number one, you can just leave it in there as cash. And we all know that cash that's sitting around goes down in value due to inflation. So it loses value. What, what that money could have bought in 2021, it's not going to be able to buy the same amount in 2031 or 2041 or 2051, you know? So that's number one, what you can do with it. Number two, you can use that money as you have health expenses you pay with that money. Most health savings accounts give you a debit card that you can use. You can go to the pharmacy and use that debit card. You can use it for your doctor's visit. You can use it to pay for your health expenses when you get a bill from your doctor. That's number two. You can use that money and use it as it comes in and you have health uh, expenses, use it right away. Or number three, you have the option to invest that money in that health savings account, which would grow 
And once you exp- once you invest it and it grows, you the people the people in the fire community usually want to maximize the benefit of the health savings account by paying for all their medical expenses out of pocket. Now, let me explain what that means. I get a bill from the doctor or Paul's uh, kid have a, a braces. So we pay for that with cash that we have instead of dipping into our HSA account. So what that does is it leaves the HSA account time to grow. So the HSA account is sitting there growing and we are paying, we are cash flowing our medical expenses right now. And one thing I do do is every time I cash flow a medical expense, I take a picture of it, save it in a Google Doc or, uh, or, or OneDrive. And I have a spreadsheet, but you know how I love my spreadsheet. You I love have a spreadsheet. spreadsheet for my. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a spreadsheet and I enter the amount that I paid. And uh, if I have reimbursed myself or not, there's a box there. So later down the road, I can, this money is given time to grow for maybe 20, 30 years. And this money is worth way more than it was worth right now. And I can go back and pull that receipt from a Google Drive or an external hard drive or wherever you have your receipt picture and claim that money and reimburse yourself. But what that does is it has given the money time to grow. That money is worth way more than what it was worth when you initially have that medical uh, expense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that is... Like these are just the nice things about the HSA. I mean, these are things that you cannot do with any other account. The IRS doesn't let you do any of these things with your 401ks or, you know, your Roth IRAs and all of these things. So this is, these are the, the nice things about it. And AJ mentioned something too, which is a really nice thing to have, which is a debit card. They, they will give you a debit card that you can use. None of your retirement accounts come with a debit card. This is the only one that, comes with a debit card that you can use for qualified medical expenses. And for the most part, for most people, and as you know, AJ, the number one cause of bankruptcy in this country is medical bills. Absolutely. So having that HSA and having that debit card, I mean, will be something that, that will be very, 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 very beneficial for most people. But one thing that I wanted to add to that um, minimum deductible you were saying, and also uh, for the contribution limit, is that there's something, because AJ said that for an individual, you can contribute 3,600 and for a family, you can contribute uh, $7,200. But you don't necessarily have to put all of that 7,200 if you're a family, because there's something called the premium pass-through contribution. This is usually made by your employer and that counts towards the 7,200. So if your employer is putting 1,000, $200 for you every year. So then all you have to put in is just the 6,000 if you on the family plan. If you are on the individual plan, your employer decides to put $600 for you. So all you need to put in is just the 3,000. So if you hear those numbers, 3,600 and 7,200, you are not paying that your employer is also contributing towards that. And I think that that is a very, very, very nice thing to have for the HSA. And this is something that 
I really love so much. You know, that's why I consider my HSA as my best retirement account. Uh, it's something that anytime I have a chance to talk to anybody, I always ask you, do you have uh, HSA? Because of all these benefits that it has that um, I think that, you know, if people understand it, most people will be investing in their HSAs and most importantly, try to max it out because it doesn't take much to max it out. It's not like the the IRAs and the 401ks. So, sometimes yeah, you will uh, have the match, like some, like sometimes you will have the match from your employer. And this uh, premium pass-through contribution that I was just saying also, is just like a match from your employer also for your health savings account. Man, I'm so glad that you uh, uh, brought up the premium pass-through contribution because me and my wife, sat down and look at our health insurance. So she, uh, she has a corporate job. I have a corporate job. And for us, it makes sense financially for each of us to have the, uh, uh, our own health insurance through our employer. And with me having the kids on my plan, my employer contributes $1,400 a year. Mm-hmm. And my wife being an individual on her own plan, her employer contributes about $700. Nice. So that's $2,100 out of the $7,200 maximum. And then we sit down and figure out how, how we are going to divide our paychecks to maximize the rest of it. So mm-hmm. it takes a little bit of work, mm-hmm. but it's not that complicated. And that's just an example. I'm not sure how you guys do it. Well, we, uh, we just do it as one. Um, okay. Yeah, because uh, we, we as a family, we are in one healthcare plan. So we just go go ahead and do it like that. Hey, man, people in the mm-hmm. bi community figure out ways to maximize. Yes, you <laughs> I'm pretty to. sure. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure if there was a, 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 you know, I'm pretty sure that's the best way for you and your family. Right, right. If there was another better way, I'm pretty sure you'll be doing it. Definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. So we just we just look at it and figure out, you know, which how how best that we can maximize it. Let me ask you, can we just talk about how to withdraw it? So this is your money. It is it's your in money. the HSA. Mm-hmm. And you can withdraw it whenever you want. Yes. But you want to withdraw it for health qualified medical expenses. Yes. But what if you just want to withdraw it? What's what's going to happen? If you just want to withdraw it for something else other than uh, health? Yeah. 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 For non-qualified medical, ex- for non-qualified expenses. Well, I mean, that's why they give you the uh, debit card. So, right. I mean, but you got to be careful with that debit card. It's not just a regular debit card. It's, it's, it's not your bank card. It's, it's not a credit card that you can just swipe anywhere you want. If you decide that you're going to use it for something else that is not health related, I mean, the IRS is going to come after you. If you, mm-hmm. if, if, if you go to Best Buy and see the, you know, 70 inch TV on sale and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you want to buy it, that has nothing to do with your health. So you're going to have to pay taxes on it. That's number one. And you will have to pay a 20% penalty on wow. that money because, I mean, you are not using it for something that is quali- that is um, considered a health-related expense. So that's so just you one of the things. Yeah. So you're saying that if I, if I just look at this account and say, oh, it's my money, I can just use it to go for vacation and IRS is going to look at it as taxable income. 
and tax yes. me up to my tax bracket. Yes. But also, not only that, charge me a 20% penalty. Which is which very means steep. that if I, if which, oh, uh, that is steep. Yeah. Because if you withdraw anything from your 401k, that's a 10% penalty. This is yes. huge. Yes. That means if I withdraw $500 from an HSA account, Mm-hmm. I pay for taxes for that $500 yep. and then another $100 come out on top of that on, for penalties. That is true. That is true. Wow. So people really need to be careful uh, with the HSA. It's not an emergency fund. Some, some, some people can find ways to use it as an emergency fund. I don't know how they do that. But to me, I do not consider it as an emergency fund. I mean, I would rather use my Roth IRA as an emergency fund. That one I will not... I will not pay taxes on that one. All I have to pay is just a 10% penalty for the Roth IRA. You know, that, that one is understandable, but do not use your um, health savings account as an emergency fund. But speaking of the Roth IRA part, I think you can withdraw the contribution depending on how long they've been sitting there. Yes. With no taxes and no yes. penalty. Without yes. taxes the, and penalty. You the can money withdraw that, the contribution. Yes, the money that you actually put in. But the growth... Right. You cannot withdraw the growth without the penalty. Okay, that's absolutely yes. right. Yes. So, so um, like when we talk about health savings account, some people will kind of confuse it with something else called the flexible spending account, which is the FSA. They are very, very similar. They kind of sound the same, but they have huge differences also. Most people have the flexible spending account because that's what most employers you know put out there that's what they show you and that kind of stuff but try to ask for the health savings account if they have it now for the flexible spending account the difference between that and the hsa which is the health savings account is that the money that you put in the fsa is a use it or lose it kind of thing for the H- for the hsa the money that you put in there it's not something that you will lose. It just continues year after year after year after year. But for the flexible spending account, you put a certain amount into it every year and you have to use that amount by the end of the year. If not, you will lose it. What do you have to say to that, AJ? Yeah, that shows the, the benefit of a HSA versus an FSA, which the FSA, you have to be careful because you have to actually look at the numbers and calculate how much am I expected to make, I mean, to pay in medical expenses this year. Now, if you have a big procedure coming up or you are going to some type of a therapy or you have a regular doctor visit because of your health, you can look at that and say, I expect to spend this much in health expenses this year. And you put in that much or a little bit less than that. So you don't, End up not end up, end up not using it and losing your money. For the HSA, HSA, you have this money sitting there that you can invest, and you don't need to worry about losing it at the end of the year. But it will roll over to the next year, and then roll over to the next year, and then roll over to the next year. Mm-hmm. And the way we use it, we use it as an investment vehicle. You put in pre-tax money; it grows. You invest it. There are investment options. I think mine says that you have to have $1,500 in cash. I think it was $2,000 in cash before you can invest. And now it's $1,500 in cash. And you can invest 
anything above that yes in index funds that are in the account that are in your provider which is health equity right now and yes. then you can let let it sit there let me give you an example if i if I, if an individual contributes thirty six hundred dollars and they don't use it that mm-hmm. that year they pay out of pocket and save their receipt and invest that for 30 years that one year of contribution of only $3600 would turn out to be $27000 in 30 years that's right that just that one year mm-hmm. if a family invests $7200 that just for one year mm-hmm. and let it invest making about 7% a year that would turn out to be $54,000 in 36, 30 years. Hmm. Now, that's the power of compound interest that yes. we use to maximize the benefit of this HSA account. So if you keep contributing and contributing year after year, imagine how much multiples of this $54,000 you would have by the time you reach 65. And I feel like we going back to the 20% penalty. Isn't it like at 65 you can withdraw it for anything, but you would only have to, you would have, you, it would be taxable income if it's not qualified medical expense, but you don't have to pay the 20% penalty. Yes, you're absolutely right. That's one of the uh, benefits also. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I call it a health investment account. Because when, when, when you have it and you turn 65, it pretty much functions just like a traditional individual retirement account. For a traditional IRA, all you have to do when you turn um, 59 and a half is you just have to pay the taxes on it. For the Roth IRA, when you turn 59 and a half, you don't pay the taxes. But for the health savings account, the moment you turn 65, you can use it just as a traditional IRA by just paying taxes on whatever you want to buy. If you want to go on vacation, you know, you can go ahead and do that. If you go to Best Buy and you know see that big screen TV that you've always wanted, now you can go and get it and just pay taxes on it. That's all, that's, that's, that's all you have to do. So this is one of the benefits of the health savings account. And You mean I don't have to pay 20%, 20% penalty on that big screen TV? No, not anymore. You know, once you turn 65, you can, you can go and, 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 and get that big screen TV and all you have to pay is just the taxes on it. So, I mean, this is how powerful the health savings account is. And that's why I'm just trying to emphasize to everybody if you work for an employer that provides this, jump on it. I mean, don't get scared by the thing that says high deductible. Yes, you know, it can be expensive sometimes, you know, and it depends on the employer. Some employers have higher deductibles and some have much lower deductibles, but don't let that scare you. If you are pretty much very healthy, your family is very healthy, you guys don't see the doctor very often. Uh, for the most part, you don't have anybody in your family with some kind of medical condition, you know, and that kind of stuff, you should jump on it. And one thing that we forgot to mention also is if you have the HSA, yes, the the, the, the requirement is you have to be in a high deductible uh, health insurance plan. But the other nice thing about it is that your premiums will be much lower. What are your premiums? Your premiums are what you're going to be paying every month for your insurance. If you are on the other... The, insurance? Yes, that one, you will have a lower deductible, but you'll be paying more for your premium. So I, I hope, you know, people understand these things. I know they can be, you know, very confusing at times. 
you know, but I mean, this is just one of the uh, differences between the uh, health savings account and the traditional plan. health insurance. Exactly. If your employer does not offer this high deductible plan, or if you don't have any insurance from your employer, there are still ways that you can have yes. uh, a high deductible insurance plan and still be able to open a HSA, an HSA account with either Fidelity yes. or Lively mm-hmm. or even health equity without going through your employer and you can contribute to it and get the tax deduction when you file your taxes. Exactly. And maximize the benefit of the power of the HSA account. Exactly. And so if you don't have it through your employer, there are still ways to do it with but on your own. But yes. here in the fire community, we look we look at things a little differently. Now, you can look at the money and say, oh yeah, it's it's for my health expenses. I just spend it as it comes in, which is right. Or you can look at it as it's an investment vehicle the way it passed at it mm-hmm. and say, well, I'll just pay out of pocket right now. And this $3,600 that I could have spent on medical expenses this year, in 30 years, that's going to turn into $27,000. Imagine that multiples 20 times or 30 times. So that's the power of compound interest. And that's the power of this triple tax advantage. You get you, you pre-tax contribution, gross tax-free if you invested in the low-cost broad-based. That's what I do. And that's what you do too. Mm-hmm. And then you can withdraw it when you're 65 or when you have health expenses tax-free. Wow. That exactly. is powerful. Exactly. And, 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 and this brings me back to one of our favorite things that we love to talk about, which is the emergency fund. I mean, if you have a medical expense that is, that is coming and you know this is coming, that is something that you can save for. You can plan for it. You know that it is coming. You can do that. But if it's an emergency, all of a sudden, instead of using your HSA, you can go to your emergency fund and get some money out of there. Take care of this emergency save your receipt. And then if you want to claim it later, you can do that. But this is one of the reasons why you have emergencies. I mean, for me, I can tell you most of the emergencies that we've had, or we had to use our emergency fund for is mostly medical. It's mostly medical. And most people listening to this too, they'll probably agree with me. It's usually medical or car issues. I'm taking my head here. Right. You know, so it is mostly medical, so I think that having that emergency fund will help you a lot instead of robbing yourself by taking money out of your HSA, that $3,000 that you are taking out now. If you leave that money in there in the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years, that $3,000 will grow to be a whole lot more. So I think that is something that you know, people really need to pay attention to and always have that emergency fund if and any emergency comes, whether it's medical or not, that's the way. That's that's the one that you need to go first. If it is a whole lot more, then maybe you know you can consider your HSA. But for me and AJ, the HSA is not something that we touch for for now, unless something really, really, really crazy happens. And if it does, we do have money in there for that. That's a lot of benefits that came that comes with this account. The uh, triple tax advantage. It grows tax-free. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but you also talked about your contribution being much lower. I remember 
when I switch from the high, you know, my regular insurance plan mm -hmm. to a high deductible plan, I'm almost paying less than half of what it was before. So that's another savings, right? That there. is your premium, right? The premium, yeah. Yes. Yeah, the premium is almost half of what it used to be. And that's another saving that we didn't even include in this conversation. Mm -hmm. And that just shows the power of this uh, HSA account. It's, a, it's an account that we love, you know. I, I, I'm, I'm just sad that I did not know about it early enough. I think I started doing it maybe three or four years ago. That's when I went to a high deductible plan and I opened up an HSA account. But imagine doing this for another 30 years with the power of compound interest and how much would be in that account. And I know part that this, your health and your money is bigger than just the HSA account. Yes. I know there's so many other things that we can dig into like Medicare and social security and yes. long-time insurance and life insurance. And mm -hmm. I know we, that all counts, but do we want to just uh, do a brief overview of those or do we want to leave that for another episode? Oh, well, I think we can just do a brief overview of that, but you know, this uh, being that this is a financial independence um, podcast, um, that's why we wanted to focus more on the HSA, which is an account that most people who are on financial independence use for um, their financial independence journey. Before we dive into the uh, Medicare and this, this other ones, I just wanted to reiterate something that AJ touched on just a little bit, which was the investment part of the HSA. Me personally, what I do is I usually put $3,000 in the savings part of it. That is just sitting there. That is just for the savings. It's not growing. It's not doing anything. So the moment I reach 3,000, every cash? money, right, 3,000 cash. So as soon as you know, I pass that 3,000, every money that goes into it goes straight to the investment part of it. That is something that's very important for people to know. You don't have to have all of your money just sitting on that cash part of it. But the moment you are comfortable with whatever amount you want in the cash part of it, you can start diverting everything else now to the investment part of it. So it does have two parts. You have that cash part and you have the investment part and the investment part. Now that's, that's the one that I really like the most, you know, because the money that you put in there, that's the one that just keeps growing. And um, I think that's how we are a little bit, I, I am a little bit riskier than you part because <laughs> I put what I live in cash is, the limit that they allow me to live in cash. Okay. Initially it was $2,000 that you have to, you have to have at least $2,000 in cash. And I set that for $2,000. And I think they brought it down this year to $1,500. Uh -huh. I brought it down to $1,500. If they brought okay. that cash down to, to a thousand, I was going to bring it down too. Um, <laughs> I just love sending that dollars to into investment. Investments. Exactly. <laughs> I just love that. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to touch on that too real quick before you move on to um, other little uh, other topics. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, we, we all know that, you know, retirement is not just health savings account retirement and um, all of that. It, it does have a lot of things that comes with it. It does have Medicare, very, very complicated topic. Most people don't understand how Medicare works, but for those who do not know, Medicare is something that is provided by the uh, U.S. government. They do take it out of your taxes, though. If you look at your paycheck all the time, you will see that 
they have taken out a good chunk of your money and it is going towards Medicare. So Medicare is just a federal insurance program that covers a lot of your medical expenses in retirement, but not everything. It doesn't cover everything, you know, and um, how you get uh, eligible for it. And this is automatic is when, when you turn 65, I mean, you don't have to do anything. You will be automatically enrolled in it. And it does come in different parts. You have the two main parts, which is part A and part B. Now, this is where it gets confusing. And most elderly people don't understand this. They they have to go and see a financial advisor or somebody who understands these things to explain it to them. Because most people don't pay attention to these things, you know, when they're young. What part A does, it covers hospital visits. It covers surgeries, hospice care, stays in skilled nursing facilities, and some home health care. And I'll let you uh, like uh, dive in a little bit on Part B, AJ. No, you dive in on Part B. What oh, I okay. wanted to, what I just what I like about what you said is uh, some people have to talk to their financial advisor. So yes. I wanted to tell everyone that hey, we're not giving you financial advice. No, we're not. Um, if you if you need investment advice or financial advice, please seek out a CPA or mm-hmm. a financial planner mm-hmm. and get more professional advice. Just consider this podcast as entertainment. Just wanted to bring up that disclaimer real quick before yes. Pat Pat moves on to Part B. Yes. What what we talk about, these are just our opinions and these are just our our experiences that we are here, you know, sharing with you guys. So the Part B of the Medicare, now that one covers, you know, doctor visits. And I want people to be uh, very careful about this because I said in Part A, it covers hospital visits. Hospital visits and doctor visits are not the same. Okay, you can go to the hospital for emergencies and that kind of stuff. Doctor visits, it's when you go and see your PCP. So that's a little different. So the Part B covers doctor visits, it covers outpatient cost and preventive cost. And then you have the Part D also. It's getting a little bit more complicated again. And now this one only covers prescriptions, the medications, you know. So you're pretty much dealing with the pharmacies, you know, with this. And then you can purchase additional Medicare in something called the Medicare Advantage, which is also known as the Part C. This is something that you can purchase through private insurance. And what this does is it covers Part A and Part B combined, plus vision, dental, and the hearing also. So I know it's a lot, but this is what Medicare is. It's very, very complicated. The average American doesn't understand this. So if you want to learn more, go and try to do some more research. But from, you know, what we know, it's this part A, part B, and part D. These are the main parts. And then if you want more, you can go ahead and buy um, part C through private insurance. I'm really happy that you um, explained to me and our audience what Medicare is uh all about i mean i've learned a lot from you just by listening to you just talk about medicare right here and it's very important because your health and your money it goes beyond just the hsa account and goes into medicare when you retire but also we also have other things like life insurance and um, long-time care in the facility and medical health plans all of those things are kind of complicated topics also. Mm-hmm. But basically, life insurance is just 
covering basically it's a it's an insurance that you buy just in case something happened to you they would pay this money out to your loved ones basically to replace your income and there are two main plans in life insurance there's the term life and then there's the whole life so the, the term life is pretty simple it doesn't have any investment inside of it you just pay for the insurance just like your car insurance if something happens to you they pay the term life value to your loved ones the whole life gets a little bit complicated mm-hmm. and it is it comes in so many different names it could be whole life it could be other names but basically they you pay for other investments in this account that are growing while you have it so why don't we why don't advisors advise people to buy the whole life one is because it's more expensive so if a term life costs $30 a month while the whole life for the same amount costs $200 a month now if you do the math obviously you have investment in the whole life but it's not as much as if you invest the difference on your own so that's why a lot of, I'm I'm a big fan of the term life yes versus uh the whole life a lot of people that tell you that about the whole life is either people that own it or people that sell it yes. but um but I'm a big big believer in term life insurance and that's just a bit basic overview of uh insurance that we wanted to touch on real quick and you know this 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 term life is something that me and AJ have and it's something that um we recommend you know if you you are looking at trying to get life insurance for you and your family especially if you have younger kids who depend on you i think you you should at least have term life the way that i did mine is that i calculated my kids ages as especially my youngest um to see because i think the time that i got it he was about 7 or 6 years old so i kind of calculated okay in the next 20 years my 6 year old will be 26 years old hopefully he will be independent and be by himself you know if i am to die then he will be able to take care of himself you know so that's why i bought a 20 year uh term life so if you have a family now especially younger kids i think it is really good and it is um a noble thing to do to make sure that when you are not here anymore at least your family can have something to fall back on and What do you think is like the recommended amount that you will get AJ? Um I feel like well let's go back to um one more thing I wanted to re- say real quick about term life versus uh, whole life. If you're looking at them and you're deciding which one do I want to go, the uh, this insurance sales people will always want you to go with the whole life. Yes. But do the math on your own. Okay. If you want $500,000 in term life or in ho- in, in in life insurance let them give you a quote for the whole life versus the term life and you look at the difference and see if you invest that difference on your own how much more would you have in this investment versus going with the whole life that's that's a little bit i wanted to touch on that but back to your question about what is recommended it's recommended to have in life insurance 10 to 12 times your income so what that means if par you're making let's say you make you doing pretty good making 100 or 200 <laughs> let's just let's go that. with <laughs> let's go with easy numbers let's say 100 100 yeah that, yeah that, that is fair enough so if you're looking at life insurance you want at least a million or to a million a million to a million two mm-hmm. 1.2 million mm-hmm. in life insurance right. and what that does is 
if you look at it, if anything happens to you right now, that 1.2 million is going to replace your income, not mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. not you is going to no. replace your income. Right. That, that could be invested in uh, making six to 8% a year, and that would replace your income. So that's why it's recommended to have 10 to 12 times your annual income in life insurance. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, as as a family man, I think that is the least that you can do for your family, you know, rather than you passing away and leaving your family, you know, in in uh, in a whole lot of financial mess. Uh, they will not know what to do. Um, they will be scared and all of these things. So as a responsible uh, head of a family, whether it's the man or the woman, and it's it is it is also recommended that both the both the wife and the husband both get it because you never know, you know, who's gonna who's gonna die first. So yeah. if any one of them dies, you know, it can replace their income. We are all gonna die. That is a fact. But the sad thing about it, we don't know when. Yeah. And it can happen anytime. There's a hundred percent chance that we're gonna die. Yeah. But and I also said that you need to replace ten to twelve times your income. But what if your spouse is not making any income? She's a stay-at-home mom. So what do you do then? What you do is, uh, I feel like your spouse also need to have their own um, Mm -hmm. life insurance, even though they're not bringing any income, Mm -hmm. because it's going to be hard to replace what they do. Yes. Now we look at in the house. Mm -hmm. You you are going to be working, and your spouse is taking care of the kids and taking care of the house. That takes money to replace what they're doing, even though they're not bringing income. To the household, they're still contributing a lot. Yes. I feel like that's even more. That's even more than just going and bringing money to the house. I just wanted to touch on that too. But back to being a noble uh, head of household uh, by having this life life insurance, but also by getting your financial independence money in order. You said that your six your six year old would be twenty six by the time your term life expires. But also in 20 years, you'll be in a better financial position than you are mm-hmm. when you had that term life insurance. Mm-hmm. So you would have more money invested in, in your account by the time that term life expires. Exactly. Why is that important? Because once you leave, you have this money that your spouse and your kids could benefit from, even though your time life is not is no more you would probably have a lot of money invested and you would probably be self-insured at that time mm-hmm. by your investment let's say when you bought the term life insurance you you bought 1.2 million and by the time you your term life expires you have maybe 1.5 million in on, in investment that covers your um your income mm-hmm not by the term life insurance, but by your investment. And that's why I feel like it's really important to get our money in order, take care of our finances right now, mm-hmm. and be able to reach that point where we're self-insured. And if anything happened to us, our spouses, our family are in good shape. Yeah, definitely. So uh, before we wrap up, you know, let's just um, go ahead and touch a little bit on social security. I mean, this shouldn't take time. Uh, most people, they pin their hopes on retirement on social security, uh, which is, I think a really bad plan. I mean, but I'm not going to say bad, but it's not something that is recommended because you're dealing with the government and these guys, they can change their mind, you know, anytime. So 
you don't want to have all your hopes on that, you know, but if it is there, it's just like what you normally say, gravy you have the biscuit, you have a lot of gravy on that biscuit, you know, so <laughs> that would be really nice. But I mean, you don't want to pin all your hopes on social security. So now the way the social security works is that um, early retirement, you're eligible for early retirement at the age of 62. So at the age of 62, you'll be getting about 25% less than what you'll be getting if you are at full retirement age. If you reach full retirement and you decide to leave it there, I mean, uh, from the research that is out there, they pretty much say that um, it grows about 8% every year after that. So while you're talking about the benefit, I was just looking at Google here to find out what the average social security benefit is. And it's $1,514 a month. Which oh, is $18,170 a year as of 2020. And this was as of uh, this was as of June 2020. So fifteen hundred dollars a month, that's not much to rely on at your golden age golden age yes. when you should be enjoying your money. So I feel like, yeah, if it's there, take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously you paid into it and it's a benefit that you paid into and that you uh, get to use, but get your money in order in order to get to financial independence and so that your um your your money is taken care of instead of relying on social security when when you have your basic needs covered at that age with your investment social security just becomes gravy on the biscuit yes. which is just extra income that you get to spend but to rely totally on social security for your living expenses your food your rent your cars and your health insurance and your health uh, expenses, $1,500 a month is the average. That's pretty, pretty, pretty tough, pretty tough to, yeah, to, to live definitely, on. Definitely. That's why we're here to, to talk about money and talk about finance and independence so that hopefully when we get there, when you get there, you wouldn't have to totally rely on social security. That's why you should get the health savings account also, you know, for your health needs. If, if you have the health savings accounts taking care of your health needs, I mean, $1,500 is still not going to be enough for housing and stuff like that. But what if you've already paid off your house? You know, what if you've been financially responsible? You have a HSA and I mean, the $1,500 can go a long way. I mean, if that is your situation, but um, I think that um, we've talked quite a bit about this, uh, AJ, and um, I think we may have yeah. to do, we may have to do another episode, you know, to like kind of continue this conversation because it's such a broad topic that, I mean, I don't think we can finish it in one episode. Initially, when we were talking about this topic, I thought it was going to be a pretty short episode. It turned yeah, out to be that's what a we pretty, pretty long episode because there's a whole lot to talk about when exactly. it comes to your health and your money. And, yeah. um, and definitely, I, uh, I hope that we take, we all take at least um, some benefit, take some actionable items when it mm-hmm. comes to this. And just even if it's as simple as asking your HR person about HSA account or uh, co- contributing to the HHA account where you get the match from, uh, what is that called? The uh, pass-through contribution from your employer. Yes, yes. And also get the benefit of it. If this episode has been any beneficial to you, please be, be the cool guy or girl to leave us uh, a five-star review mm-hmm. and write something that my, my mom would be proud of. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> your mom keeps but, up with the podcast, don't, don't she? <laughs> she has a special name for it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but also, not only that, share this with your friends if you have any benefit or if you know someone who could benefit from it. And please, please subscribe or follow us on any platform that you're listening to us. And that's it for me today, Pa. And until next time, this is the FI Talk Podcast. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.